Hello and welcome to Storytime with Bemsi, where we read stories together and talk about them. Or rather, where I read stories to you and tell you what I think about them. Today's story is The Betrayal by Ahmed Isab. The story is set in South Africa and is narrated by an unknown narrator. It follows the political leader as he navigates the events surrounding the creation of a new political group which may rival his own party. Anyways, I will not spoil the story for you. Here is The Betrayal by Ahmed Isab. When Dr. Kamal closed the surgery door one Friday night, he felt that the door had closed on his past. He was a tall, slender man, mud-complexioned, with a balding cranium that gave him a distinguished scholarly appearance. He was not only a physician and a well-known politician, but a connoisseur and a collector of works of art displaying the agony of the proletariat in fields and factories. His entire collection was on display in his gallery come study at home. He had received his medical and political education in India. His ability at the game of cricket had also been developed in that country. He was a religious man and every Friday he would dutifully attend the mosque in Newtown to genuflect in prayer. For days he had been enmeshed in a dilemma which had originated when a new political group in Fordsburg proclaimed its inaugural meeting by means of notices stuck on walls and lampposts. The emergence of the group, mainly consisting of youth, posed a threat to the Orient Front of which Dr. Kamal was the president. A successful public meeting could be the first stage in its growth into a powerful rival political body, a body that could in time eliminate the Orient Front as a representative organization. There was also a personal threat. Dr. Kamal had achieved the presidency of the Orient Front after years of patient waiting and he was afraid that his position would lose some of its luster with the appearance of another political body. He was also the political mentor of Fordsburg youth and felt that his prestige and status would suffer a reduction if the new group drew deserters from the youth league of which he was the founder. There was only one way to stop the threat. The new group had to be crushed at its inaugural meeting. But how was he to reconcile this action with the fact that he had been a professed disciple of Gandhi during his political life? He drove in a small German car to the offices of the Orient Front in Park Road. At 10 o'clock, he was to address a clandestine meeting of members of the Youth League. He reached the building, parked his car at the entrance, and walked slowly up a flight of stairs. Salim Rashid, chairman of the Youth League, was waiting for him. We are ready, Doc. How many? 42. Have you explained to them what they have to do? Yes. You have only to say a few words to them. It had been Salim Rashid's idea that he should address the Youth League after the doctor had discreetly suggested that the new political group should be annihilated in accordance with the ethics of political survival before it hatched something dangerous. Had he rejected the idea, Dr. Kamal would have given Salim Rashid the impression that he was afraid. The young man's argument had been that a few words from their mentor on the eve of the clash would be sufficient to convince the other members of the rightness of their action. In order to keep the doctor's role a secret, he would arrange a nocturnal meeting. Salim Rashid opened the door. It led into a large room with many chairs and several tables. Some members of the Youth League were talking in groups. Others were outside on the balcony. There were portraits, rather crudely garish, of Gandhi on the wall. Friends, attention. Dr. Kamal is here to address you. They settled down on the chairs. The doctor began. One of the most important duties of the Youth League, in fact it is part of its unwritten constitution, is to safeguard the integrity and retain the hegemony of its parent body and the Orient Front and prevent rival political organizations from trespassing on our traditional ground. 
You have a great responsibility towards the Indian people of this country. You cannot permit them to be divided. These despots would destroy us if we let this happen. Let me remind you that it has always been a thesis of mine that there is no essential conflict of principles between Gandhi and the Western political philosophers, that a violent revolt and a passive revolt are aspects of the dynamics of a man's search for freedom. He paused for a moment, coughed into his clenched hand, and continued, You should always remember that you are not only a vital part of the Orient Front, but also the vanguard that must protect it from harm. Remember always that you have been chosen by history to shape the future of this country. Dr. Kamala Dunn. The youth clapped their hands, then raised their fists and shouted a few belligerent slogans. He left the premises immediately. On his way home, he decided to pass Gandhi Hall, where the meeting was to be held the next day. His motive for passing by was rooted in a strange, sudden notion that the new group too had decided to hold a secret nocturnal meeting. Fear inflamed the turbulence within him and he stopped his car half expecting to see a knot of people coming up the street to attend the meeting. But the street was deserted and the hall doors locked. A gust of wind rushed by, carrying with it a swarm of rasping papers. Irony of his role struck him with force. He, the professed disciple of Gandhi, had unleashed a demon that would profane the hall commemorative of the master's name. He went home and locked himself in his study. This room had been the scene in the early days when he had joined the Orient Front of weekly lectures to the youth of Fordsburg under the title, A Study of the Dynamics of Political Action and Political Truth, which had gained such popularity that the numbers swelled and he had formed the Youth League. Its members had come to look upon him as their oracle on political matters. In his study, he had expounded to them the political philosophy of the triumvirate, Marx, Lenin and Gandhi. He had spoken with veneration of Gandhi's passive resistance campaigns against the racist oligarchs and had extolled him as a titan in the history of humanity as he had been the first to bring into the realm of politics the concepts of truth and non-violence. He had also proudly told the youth of his meetings with Gandhi while he was a medical student in India and his abandonment of radical and revolutionary ideas in politics. When Dr. Kamal took his seat in the hall, he saw that it was packed with people. He felt his chest contract and he hurriedly lit a cigarette. Hello, Doc, said Rada, the secretary of the Orient Front, sitting down beside him. Is our youth league present? This should be an interesting meeting, he commented, pretending not to have heard the question. This should be the first and the last meeting. Dr. Kamal was jolted. So the secretary knew of the intentions of the youth league? Salim Rashid had assured him that the plans were all secret and that he would not be implicated. Now someone had told the secretary, and perhaps many others, and though he seemed to approve of the planned disruption and violence, there was no way of telling how he would react if things went wrong. There is Salim Rashid, Rada said, pointing towards the front. Yes, Dr. Kamal answered feebly. Those upstarts can give us a lot of trouble if they are not stopped. The youth must settle matters amongst themselves, Dr. Kamal said, with suppressed anger. Several young men began adjusting the public address system on the stage, and then one of them began to speak. He gave the audience a preliminary brief account of how he and several friends had been drawn to the politics of the people's movement in Cape Town and had decided to form a branch in the city. Mr. Chairman, I object, Salim Hossein stood up. May I remind you that there is a political organization here, Orient Front. You may have heard of it. I have heard of it. But I feel that there is a need for a different kind of political organization. Let me explain. Several voices interjected. What do you mean? Is the font dead? Are you issuing a challenge? The speaker pleaded for order and said that members of the audience would have ample time to ask questions later. 
Mr. Chairman, are you trying to smear the Orient Front? Salim Rashid shouted. Before he could answer, several voices accused the new group of trying to divide Indian people in the liberatory struggle. Then someone boomed. Uncivilized Indian, don't you know anything about meeting procedure? Dr. Kamal jumped up from his seat and turning in the direction of the voice said, I strongly object to the defamatory slur cast upon us by someone in the hall. For his information, I must state that we Indians are among the most civilized races of mankind, a people with a glorious culture. Well, that is quite plain to all, a cynical voice near him said. Why don't you keep quiet and let the meeting get on? He sat down, his body quivering. The rebuke stung him with such ferocity that for a moment, while standing, he had felt his body reeling as if he was about to plunge down a virginous height. His dignity and status had suffered a humiliating reduction. What compelling force had made him jump up from his seat and expose himself to the audience and identify himself, so it seemed, with the opponents of the new political group? He had come as an observer, a delusion he had managed to sustain until a few moments ago. But now he had become involved in their dispute. He should have stayed at home. The new group seemed to have many more sympathizers than he had calculated. People were taking them seriously. If the Youth League was defeated, he did not have enough time to complete the thought, as, with the volume of the public address system amplified, the chairman continued, Some of us felt that what we lacked here was a political body that would unify the oppressed. We are convinced that any organization opposed to racialism should not have a racial structure such as that of the Orient Front or the African Front. Salim Rashid leapt from his seat. Don't insult the Orient Front. Don't insult the organization founded by the great Mahatma Gandhi. He rushed forward and immediately members of the Youth League rose to follow their leader, friends and sympathizers of the new group in the audience. Shocked at first by the sudden threat of violence, jumped up from their seats and pressed towards the front to join the fray. There was uproar and panic. Women screamed. The stage became a mass of seething, pushing, wrestling, punching, shouting combatants. From the rear of the hall, one had the impression that players in the drama were involved in the mock battle. Someone ran out of the hall to telephone the police. When Salim Rashid leapt from his seat, shouting his battle cry and rushing forward, Dr. Kamal experienced a sharp conflict within. There was the urge to flee from the violence he had contrived, and there was a petrifying inertia compelling him to remain and witness the battle. He stayed, trapped by indecision and the ambiguity of his political commitment. But when he saw the opposition's determination to fight the Youth League members, he rose from his seat. He took a few hurried steps, reached the foyer and stopped at the door. Policemen with truncheons and guns rushed past him into the hall. Driven by a turbid amalgam of curiosity, fear and bewilderment, Dr. Kamal re-entered the hall and watched, horrified at the new dimension added to the battle. Then he fled. The center of his being that had been in turmoil during the past few weeks seemed to be undergoing a kind of physical rut, and together with this feeling he sensed the approaching storm of reproach and stigma that would engulf him. He reached his car. As he drove homeward, Salim Rashid's words pursued him. Don't insult our organization. The End the main theme in this story is that of pride. Dr. Kamau is clearly an accomplished man, but something in him feels threatened by the formation of a new political party. It's as though he feels that if there is a new party in town, he will no longer be as important a person as he was when the Oriental Front was the only political party in town. 
It is interesting that he does not really consider the possibility that both groups can coexist and possibly even work together for mutually beneficial objectives. But what he is very focused on is preserving his status within the society. It's also interesting to see that as the story develops, Dr. Kamau actually ends up betraying the Oriental Front. We see this clearly when a member of the new political group talks down at him and he loses confidence in himself and walks out of the building, abandoning the very people who are supposedly fighting for him. Interestingly enough, the members of the new party, that's the Youth League, have a very strong respect for Dr. Kamau, but he is too blinded by his ego to see this. This is an all-too-familiar pattern of people who gain some kind of power or recognition for themselves and try very, very hard to consolidate it, and then they end up feeling threatened once there is a new kid on the block, so to say. A more effective and humane approach would probably be to cooperate with the newer people, with the younger generation, but that would require the suppression of one's ego, which is not always the easiest thing to do. Anyways, that's it for today's story. As usual, I encourage you to read the stories for yourself in your spare time. If you like this episode or have any comment, please do not hesitate to get in touch. And until next time, I have been your host, Bemsey.